Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I am your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Nathan. How are you? Very well. How are you? Grand, thank you very much. I've got uh, Jessie Loesch. Hi, friends. You are right? Great. Super noodles. And back after a few weeks' absence, I've got Housewives' favourite, Andy Manson. How are you? I keep telling you this, Chris. I'm not even the housewife's favourite in my own house. So this is, seems like a, a strange introduction. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> because I know the connotations, particularly in Britain, but I mean, still... I don't know the connotations. We're gonna have to have like an off the pod explanation of that. I don't know if it needs to be off the pod, does it, Chris? You can talk about it now if you want. It basically means that you know, kind of middle-aged housewives probably fancy me. Yeah, that's all right. Isn't that. it? Yeah. <laughs> For you, yay! Thank you. Um, at least there's a middle-aged housewife that fancies one of us on the pod, anyway. So. I had a friend at school who was a complete social outcast uh, and none of the girls in our provincial town would go near him. He went travelling in America for about three months and played the bumbling Hugh Grant character and got uh-huh. more action than uh, you can imagine. Is that a plot point in love, actually? It might have been, was it? Yeah. It was definitely a real-life friend. I wasn't thinking of love, actually. Yeah, and love, actually, it was Chris Marshall. Who Chris, yes, it was, wasn't it? You might know from over here in yeah. my family or whatever the programme was. And I, he played the awkward Brit. He did. Who admittedly was a merry and arsehole and, you know, quiet and reserved and stuff like that. He was just an idiot. And I, he went to America and flummoxed them all with his accent. Mm-hmm. Terrible. And he like slept with Ma- Elizabeth Hurt models. I think so. Maybe he did. My overwhelming memory of that film is the sort of creepiness of the Andy Lincoln character and Keira Knightley. Everybody in that film was a terrible person, is what I remember. Apart from the prime ministers, apart from Marty McCutcheon, um, yes. the prime minister's person. Yes. She was like so wronged, and we should just put her in everything. Oh, and the Colin Firth character, he was quite wronged as well, wasn't he? Came home and found his brother with his stepwife. Uh, anyway, before this descends into a movie podcast, shall we um, <laughs> We'll start with the Champions League. So, uh, Champions League on Tuesday. Oh, boy, let's get this out of the way. Uh, Liverpool 2, Real Madrid 5. So, um, uh, Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah for Liverpool. Vinny Jr. for two goals. Benzema, two goals. Edan Militao, uh, five goals for Real Madrid. Six shots on target. Um uh, Nathan, should football matches be 15 minutes long in total? 
Liverpool would have won that game 2 0 if the whistle had blown up after 14 minutes. Well, I mean, I suppose Liverpool fans would jump on that as well, wouldn't they? Um, I mean, I, I didn't watch the game, but but I mean, there's, there's, there's turnarounds and there's comebacks, isn't there? But that's just outrageous. It was. Um, Jesse and Andy, I think you both watched this one, didn't you? I, I was working and I, every like couple minutes would tune in and every time I tuned in another thing had happened the first half was utter chaos um, it was sort of end to end action they had the two obvious errors from both goalkeepers the second half started with that Edda Militao header and I think Real Madrid uh, just became ruthlessly efficient from then on in I mean is that a fair assumption of, of how the game went for you guys yeah I I think as, as much as I'm taking great enjoyment in <laughs> the fact that you're a Liverpool fan and they were roundly trounced this week. Look, Schorenfreude. I, I kind of, yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like this almost says as much about Real Madrid as it does about Liverpool, to be honest. We know Liverpool have got issues this season. We know that it looks increasingly like Klopp probably didn't want half the players that have come to Liverpool in the last 18 months because to me I just don't see many of them who fit into how his teams play mm. even Cody Gakpo who is a very good player is a little one-paced I think for Liverpool he's had a couple of goals recently but he ha he doesn't look like he's settled in the best does he yeah but Real I mean 2-0 down at Anfield on a European night most teams would crumble from that and Real Madrid didn't, very patient, very in the, the image of the manager, I would suggest that, you know, they, they weren't ruffled, took their time, they've got quality players all over the pitch, they've got experience all over the pitch, and they just, they knew that the chances were going to come. A mm. um, couple of lucky goals, obviously, Alisson's uh, error, that ball could have gone anywhere, it ended up in, the Joe mm. Gomez deflection for the fourth goal, but yeah, Liverpool have definitely got issues, but Real Madrid, I think, deserve huge credit for, for the way they came back into that game and, yeah, ran out very deserved winners. Yeah. Jesse, what did you make of the uh, the bits you saw? I mean, Alisson is somehow both entirely overrated and somehow... <laughs> underrated <laughs> Alison I think like so many keepers who play for their national teams as well is like two different people depending on which team he's playing for mm. and he was a mess um, I don't know whether he let the fact that they were playing against Real Madrid get to him or he was just having an off day but he never once that first blunder was made he just didn't seem to be able to collect himself and if you're playing at that level like you need to have the mental game as well um, I don't know if he needs to, like a neck tattoo to become, you know, number one Brazilian keeper, but something. <laughs> um, but on, I know why you're talking to me, and it's because the only thing that really matters in this match is the most beautiful, stunning, impressive, brilliant backheel of a goal that was scored by Uruguayan superstar Darwin Nunez. Nothing that else matters. That was very special, wasn't it? It was so good. 
It was so good. And I know I've been saying, and I still will stand by it, that he is not on any team solely to score goals, that he has so much more in him that he brings to a team. But holy shit, was that perfect. It was. It was brilliant. And as much as I don't want Real Madrid to score, I mean, I only want good things for Vinicius Jr. as well. Um, yeah, I, I think those good things have to come in the fact of, like, in the form of not having to prove himself so he doesn't get <laughs> abuse. Yes. Uh, Carl Ancelotti um, claimed after the match to still be an Evertonian, um, and he particularly enjoyed the victory over Liverpool. Um, can anyone see a magnificent uh, Scouse victory at the Bernabeu? No. I love that Ancelotti is still sucking up to Adam. That's so sweet. <laughs> Nathan, can you see a turnaround in this? Yes, Christopher, I can. I can see a definite turnaround. Thank you. <laughs> um, do you know what? In, in previous seasons, I would have said yes. I, I genuinely can, but I, I think there's there's big problems at Liverpool this season. Then three goals at the Bernabeu is a stretch, even when it's a, a very good Liverpool team. But no, unfortunately not. No. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, Chris, I can see it. I can see it. No problem. Yeah, that was exactly how I as a southern man <laughs> yeah I was going to say were you speaking to Jesse from Toy Story though <laughs> <laughs> yes no notes perfect <laughs> um, also on Tuesday night Frankfurt nil Napoli 2 uh, goals from Osimhen he's 20th goal of the season um, he's having a fantastic season and then um, Di Lorenzo scored after great work by the uh, Georgian fella whose name I won't even try and destroy um, I'll try it, I'll try it. Go on, you go over again. There you go. That sounds about Gale right. has name a lot this season, so I feel fairly confident I've got that one close to right. Yeah, <laughs> he's a special player. Although he did miss the penalty, didn't he? He did miss the penalty. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a good save for the keeper, to be fair. I mean, it was a, certainly a, a firmly struck penalty. But, um, yeah, I think Napoli are a real... I, I don't even know if you would consider them an outside shot to win... We took the uh, Champions League at this stage. They are they are so good, mm. uh, and I know people will point to the fact that you know, in Italy, Inter are having a somewhat down season. Milan are definitely having a down season compared to last year. But I mean, Napoli can only beat what's put in front of them, and they've done it in the Champions League as well. And as long as they can keep Faraschelia and Osimhen fit, mm. then I, I think they they can beat anybody in this tournament. So. Yeah, I, I, I just I thought it was another very impressive performance, and in track Frankfurt having Colo Moani sent off yeah. in that game as well, meaning he'll be missing for the return leg. That that ties over. Yeah, fifteen goals he scored for them this season. I guess Nathan as well, given the fact that Napoli, I think, are fifteen points ahead in Serie A, they can afford to maybe rest players in the league and concentrate on the on the Champions League as well, can't they? Which is a fantastic position to be in. Yeah, I think I think we touched on it a little bit last week. Um, for me, Napoli uh, red hot favourites for the Champions League mm. uh, because, and this this is no disrespect to Napoli whatsoever, but everybody in Europe and we're seeing it in the Premier League this season as well. Everyone just seems to be having a really crap year for whatever reason. You know, when I say everybody, I mean like the usual suspects. You know, your your top three or four from every every country just seem to be in some some form of either disarray higher up disarray on the pitch um, you know there's there's 
on-field issues, off-field issues. Nathan, Nathan, more... Nathan, honestly, don't worry, we're not going to talk about Arsenal this week. They're not playing. <laughs> but, but naturally, very much like Arsenal and Premier League are, are, are taking their opportunity. Mm. That, like, like Andy just said, you know, they can only beat what's put in front of them, and they're doing it, and they're doing it well. And for me, they're the only team in Europe at the moment who are on such magnificent role. Why would why would you not think that they're not going to go all the way? I, I, I don't I don't think there's anyone in the Champions League that they look at now and think I don't think they can get a result against them. Mm. Jesse, did you see this? I saw highlights of this, and I I agree with both of my esteemed colleagues. Um, I also think. And again, as Nathan said, not to take anything away from Napoli, but the fact that during their season they're playing against <laughs> definitely to take away from the other teams, they're play they don't have as much of a challenge mm. um, as as the teams that they're playing against in the Champions League is is only going to help them. You know, they're not coming in to Champions League games fresh off of some of the more difficult matches that you know perhaps the the english or the spanish teams are playing against hopefully we don't have italian listeners who are gonna i don't know poison my spaghetti no let's hope not uh champions league on wednesday then red bull Leipzig won manchester city won um mares took the lead after 27 minutes after good work from jack Grealish when uh, leipzig gave the ball away uh guardial got a, a header on 72nd minute i think so it felt like city dominated the first half and then uh, Leipzig sort of revived themselves in the second half with Henriks and Silva going close uh, and then the goal. I kind of thought that might have been a foul by Guardiol um, as he sort of used his hands on the Man City player as, as shoulder as leverage to jump up and head the ball. Did anyone else think it should have stood or shouldn't have stood? I, I, I thought the goal was fine. Yeah? I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see a lot wrong with it. I think like goalkeepers at corners I sometimes feel like central defenders are are maybe slightly overprotected you know if if they're choosing not to jump then that's kind of on them if they end up with a hand on their shoulder it almost feels like a natural motion at that point so yeah I had no issues with the goal you're fine with that are you? um yeah Nathan you're talking pre-record back Manchester City wanted a penalty uh for a handball but the final whistle had already gone and there was no VAR check after the final whistle I've got to be honest I can't remember this at all so just describe what happened and whether you thought it was a penalty yeah so I think the, the ball comes into the box and it's it's hit with a bit of power uh, and the defender <laughs> I mean when you watch it in slow motion it, it looks like someone's just stood behind the defender and screamed boo in his ear <laughs> and he's just jumped out of his skin and put his hands in front of his face like a boxer would yeah. uh, if he was covering up with punches raining down on him um, and, and the ball clearly hits his hand um, and there was a bit of the, the, like I said I didn't watch the game but the clip that I saw on Twitter was seems to, seems to suggest that City fans wanted at least a check if nothing else but again it got, the rules chop and change that much these days don't they that you know Yes, his hands are in an unnatural position. There's no, I mean, as a defender, you know, you, you should probably expect to take one in the face every now and then. So his hands shouldn't really be up there as high as they are. But with the ball coming at that speed, I don't think he has a lot of reaction time. But it's, it's certainly one that, that split the camp from what I saw. Uh, Jesse, did you see Inter 1 Porto nil? Romelu Lukaku uh, eventually scored after his header onto the post and he sort of knocked in the rebound. This came after a, a red card for Octavio for, for Porto. 
Um, did you see this one at all? No. What did Octavio do to get that red card? I don't remember the first one, but the second one, he was a little bit late on a uh, player. Oh, was the second yellow? Second yellow. It was in Inter Milan at the San Siro Stadium. Keep going. Um, it was a header that Lukaku headed onto the post, and then he got to the, and then it hit the post and came oh, out, and he okay. and he knocked it in. And then, oh, Diego Costa made an incredible save of the first half from a header. Do you remember that? Very close header at him. I, I don't remember it because I didn't see it, but I was really just trying to see how many more things I could get from you before I... <laughs> <laughs> that was good, though. Yeah, thank you. Someone helped me out. Nathan and uh, Andy. Yeah. Can I very quickly just go back to the, the Leipzig Man City mm. game just so I can make the comment? If I'm Erling Haaland, I think I'm starting to take it slightly personally. <laughs> Most City players don't seem to want to pass him the ball. Like, I'm, I'm kind of only half-joking here. Five or six times, Erling Haaland is making fantastic runs that City have got the talent to find him with and are choosing not to. Kevin De Bruyne seems the only one who actually recognises what he's got in front of him. Mm in terms of I should probably get this guy the ball but that's uh, yeah I just uh, I'm finding that very strange because it wasn't just the Leipzig Leipzig game it's it's been happening quite a lot recently Uh, in terms of the 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 Milan Porto game yeah Diogo Costa's save was was fantastic Um, he's I think he's generally regarded as one of Europe's better young goalkeepers Mm. Um, and he's he's certainly proven it this season um you get the typical Lukaku performance in this one. Yes, it scored, but that almost felt like he had to based on volume of chances mm. because he did also miss a few that I think were presentable. Um, again, he's not exactly got been gifted with a, a great first touch. Um, the one thing I'll say is I think Porto will probably still feel they're very much in this tie. And I know I know they are because it was only one 0 and they've got to take them take them back to Portugal. But Inter I, I, haven't impressed me much at all this season. Um, there's been a couple of players who've played pretty well. Barella, Demarco, I think have been good for them. Lautaro Martinez seems to have rediscovered some form since having one of the worst World Cups. I think I've ever seen from a from a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, but Porto, in front of that crowd, yeah, I think they might still fancy their chances. I don't think this one's this one's over. No, okay, uh, right. We're going to move on to uh, the Europa League. So um, Manchester United played uh, Barcelona. They beat them two one. Uh, I am just trying to find a quote from Emma who can't join us, but. Uh, Manchester United 2, Barcelona 1 goals from Fred and Anthony after uh, what I've heard described this week as a Polish Danny Ings. Uh, Robert Lewandowski gave them the lead from the penalty spot. Um, the tie sort of changed over the half-time I read in The Guardian in the fact that um, they brought on Anthony for, for, for Weekhorst. Uh, Barcelona's first loss in 18 games. So Emma said, um, Bruno Fernandes is a fucking dweeb. And I truly hope bad things happen to him. I thought he was a fucking asshole before. But honestly, he exceeds my expectations of shittiness. Um, other than the fact he could pass for a um, Uday Hussein stunt double, what does he particularly done? I do, personally speaking, I, I'm not. I, I can absolutely recognise the talent he has as a player. Mm. 
but he might be the whiniest player in the Premier League. Oh, really? Um, yeah. If you watch any, you watch five minutes of any United game, he's constantly chipping at the ref, or you know, looking for fouls that clearly aren't fouls, and berating uh, linesmen and, and and things like that. It's just, yeah, he's he is one of those players who I imagine United are very happy to have. But if they didn't, I think they would be like, oh, yeah, I can't stand this guy. Is he the Portuguese um, Scott Brown? No, because I get the impression Scott Brown could handle it. Scott Brown, like, let me make this very clear, right? As a Rangers fan, I hated Scott Brown. Um, it, it was a bit of a wind-up and stuff like that. But, I mean, he it, there was always kind of a wee twinkle in his eye when he was doing so. It was never... Whereas I get the impression this is very much Bruno Fernandez's personality. Okay. Um. So yeah, he's um. I'm trying to think of other players that would have really annoyed people in that regard. There's been plenty over the years, and none are coming to mind at the moment. And maybe that means he's the worst. Robert Perez. I mean, I'll throw Neymar in there. Anytime a player, like, does that ref give him a card thing the second anybody breathes on them. Like, there's no credibility left. I saw Dennis Bergkamp do that once. That was, yeah. But every time, I mean, you can't, it's it's the player who cried yellow card. Fuck you, roll it. Like, then then you could be hemorrhaging out your nose, and I'm going to be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, fine, you didn't get hit. It's, an, you know, I always think, and I feel terrible about this, but in the 2014 World Cup when Neymar hurt his back, my first inclination was to be like, get up, buddy, you're fine. Because mm. you always do that. And I think Fernandez has a little bit of that as well. Okay. I mean, I'm struggling to get past the fact that you just put Bruno Fernandez and Dennis Bergkamp in, in some form. <laughs> Listen. That is one of the most outrageous comments I've ever heard in my life. That beavis faced goon refused my little sister an autograph after we waited two hours for him uh, and he was wearing it and she was wearing a Dennis Bergkamp t-shirt as well I mean I'd be gutted but, but it's very no little wretch no. oh no I don't want to get on an aeroplane <laughs> Dennis Bergkamp always sex fit too was he <laughs> I'm fairly certain he was a, a chunky boy didn't know how to sign his name on a t-shirt though, did he? He's a football player, none of them know how to sign <laughs> That's very true. Um, okay, so also in the Europa League, it was PSV 2, Sevilla 0. Um, Sevilla won that 3-2 uh, in aggregate. The Sevilla keeper, uh, Marco Dimitrovic, uh, was attacked by a fan during that game. Um, Jesse, your uh, FC Midgetland, they lost 4-0 to Sporting and 5-1 in aggregate. You saw this one, didn't you? I did, but wait a second. You're not going to say what happened after the Sevilla keeper was attacked? I didn't see it. Why somebody would come on and try to attack him, I do not know. It's so horrifying. Mm. And the fact that security, like, waited for the keeper to just punch the man and sit on him? I wonder if he really embarrassingly ran away like the boy you tried to kick Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> uh, did the other week that was, that was genuinely one of the pathetic things I've ever seen the tiny wee kick and then the, the really <laughs> awkward looking Mr Bean run did um, does anyone remember the time when um, sorry Jesse no no go for it I'm just saying does anyone remember the time when uh, it was Chelsea played Spurs in the cup 
and Chelsea won and they're celebrating by their fans in the corner at White Hart Lane and a Spurs fan ran on the pitch um, to attack Frank Lampard and as a complete surprise to the fan himself managed to make his way through all the coaches and players and actually stand in front of Frank Lampard and you could see his arse fall out and think oh god now what am I supposed to do <laughs> so he tried to give him the most sort of gentle of slaps and it didn't work at all <laughs> Um, okay, so yeah, uh, also what do we have? Monaco 2, Bayer Leverkusen 3, so that's 5-1 on aggregate, and Leverkusen won 5-3 on penalties. Nantes 0, uh, Juve 3, Juve won that 4-1 on aggregate. Union Berlin 3, Ajax 1, uh, Ajax, oh, sorry, Union won that 3-1 on aggregate. Um, Ren 2, Shakhtar 1, 3-1 on penalties, Shakhtar won 5-4 on penalties. Roma 2, RB Salzburg 0, so that's 2-1 uh, to uh, Roma on aggregate. Uh, next round draw is Union Berlin versus Union SG of Belgium. Um, Sevilla versus Fenerbahce, Juve versus Freiburg, Leverkusen versus Frank Varos, Sporting versus Arsenal, uh, Manchester United versus um, somebody who I call Betis, uh, Roma versus Real Sociedad, and Shakhtar versus uh, Feyenoord. So, Sporting versus Arsenal, how do we feel about that one, guys? Just reading like them scores, we just appreciate how much better the Europa League is compared to the Champions League. Oh, 100%, yeah. Like, it's, it's not even a quarter of things. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's, it's not just... It's the range of the teams in there. You know, it's it's the excitement of you genuinely got no idea who was going to win this. Like, no. You could make a case for everybody, whereas in the Champions League, you, you know... You know straight away your last 16, pretty much. There'll be one or two, maybe, who... You know, have a bit of a pucky campaign and managed to get through in second spot, but you know pretty much what the last 16 is going to be. I don't think anyone would have picked this as a last 16 for the, for the Europa League. I just think it's brilliant. No, same for the Conference League as well. I, unfortunately, they, yeah. I'd already written this by the time that the draw had taken place for the Conference League, so I've not got that here. But yeah, I think you're right with both Europa and the Conference League, much better than the Champions League for entertainment. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But yeah, going, uh, going back to sporting, I think. Um, uh, saw that they were they were currently fourth in in Portugal. Um so definitely could have been a lot worse. Mm. Not you know, no disrespect to Sporting them, but um there's definitely teams that I'm glad we avoided. Did you see the disrespect that Nathan gave Sebastian Coates then, Jesse? <gasps> no, but I see a you for pointing it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh fair enough. Right. Bits and bobs of leagues for this weekend. So, in Spain, Barcelona on top on 59 points, 351. Um, Real Sociedad 43, Atleti on 41. So, Almeria played Barcelona, Valencia played Real Sociedad. And it's the Madrid derby this weekend, uh, Real versus Atleti. Anyone got any opinions on that one at all? I, th I think that, that kind of, the league, top of the league table you just read out there, I think, points to the, the, the point that Nathan made earlier on and that, it's difficult to look at any of the teams that are kind of still in contention for for European um, silverware and make a real solid case for them. Real Madrid have just done what they did against Liverpool. They're eight points behind Barcelona, mm. who just went out of the champion uh, the Europa League, deservedly so, to, to Man United. It's a it's a very strange season. Um, so yeah, predicting who will win that Madrid derby is actually much more difficult than I think it would be 
in other seasons. I guess you would move the point to Real being in better form at the moment than Atletico. And they're, they're the home team as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I would imagine Real will probably win that game, but I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah. Guys, anyone going to watch this? Yeah. I think this is... has the, It's either going to be incredibly boring mm. or it's going to be so much fun. I think a little column from column A, a little from column B on that one. Um, in Italy, Napoli top on 62 points. They are 15 ahead of Inter on 47. Roma and AC Milan are on 44. So Empoli play Napoli. Bologna play Inter. Milan play Atalanta in Germany. Um, Bayer Leverkusen, sorry, Bayer, Bayern Munich, Dortmund and Union, Berlin, are all on 43 points. Then Freiburg are on 40. So this weekend is actually Bayern versus Union. Uh, I wrote Hoff versus Dortmund. I reckon that's Hoffenheim rather than the Hoff. Um, Freiburg versus Bayer and then it's actually 5th versus 6th as well as RB Leipzig take on uh, Eintracht Frankfurt in uh, France PSG are on 57 points Marseille 52 Monaco 50 so Monaco play Nice um, and it's Le Classique this weekend Nathan that's French for the classic uh, as Marseille play PSG a couple of uh, big derby games this, uh, this weekend isn't there yeah it's the big weekend in Europe yeah have we all got BT Sport to watch this I definitely need to take more advantage of watching these games on, on because I, I've got BT Sport literally just for just for the Arsenal games and I, I really need to get my money out of it and all these good games that I just keep ignoring. I haven't got BT Sport anymore. I had it for quite a while and as bad as BT Sport's Premier League coverage is, their European coverage is excellent, if you see what I mean. It's like yeah. polar opposites of, the, of each other. You should definitely try and get some watching if you can. Absolutely. You can on... move here on Peacock. I'm sorry? You can move here and watch it on Peacock. What's that, NBC? Their streaming service, yes. Oh, okay. Andy, are you going to watch it? Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll maybe try and track that one down. There's a, there's a interesting video on TIFO's channel at the moment about whether the World Cup has broken PSG. Okay. Because they've been in pretty... I think... I think if you're being kind, you would say inconsistent form. Yes. You come back from the World Cup. They were very um, lucky last weekend, weren't they? Yes, they were. And if I remember right, beaten the week before. Mm. Um, so much so that I think, I don't know if any, the rest of you saw the rumour that they're apparently looking to reappoint Thomas Tuchel. Oh, no, I've not um, seen that. Yeah. So presumably that means that Gaultier, here you go, Jesse, here's a wee Scottish phrase for you. Gaultier's jacket is on a sugarly peg. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, essentially means that he might not be far from getting the, the bullet. Um, so, yeah, PSG continue to be, on one hand, one of the richest club in the world, and on another are just hugely consistent, inconsistent and, and difficult to predict uh, team. So, yeah, like Marseille to... aren't in brilliant form at the moment, but given where PSG are at the moment and the expectations on them, Marseille might fancy their chances there. Excellent. Uh, right, uh, elsewhere in the world this week, in the um, Chile Primera B, the second division in Chile, Andy, it is uh, Rangers in ninth place versus um, Deportes Tibuco in eighth. How do you reckon that one's going to go? This is outrageous. Rangers in ninth. <laughs> flashbacks to when they get relegated to the third division. It's shocking. I can't, I can't even imagine a world where Rangers finish ninth. Um... <laughs> Yeah, obviously Rangers are going to win, I assume. 
Yeah, okay. Despite the fact that they're nine. Uh, in Cyprus... Go on. No, that was just a laugh. Okay. In Cyprus, it's the Nicosia Derby as uh, Amania play Applewell. Uh, in South Africa, it's the Soweto Derby as the Kaiser Chiefs play Orlando Pirates. Uh, MLS is back this week, Jesse. It's El Trafico uh, first week back as LA Galaxy oh, plays LAFC. I have news about that. I know a thing. Gone. That actually, that match is going to be, or was, or is going to be delayed because of hail. Yes, it's going to be blizzard in Los Angeles or something, isn't it? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's coming, so, isn't it? That's my MLS news. I'm, I, you know, I really like the MLS. I'm quite glad it's back. Um, I, you know what? It's just, it's the the, it's definitely a different level of talent. But also, it's like it's hard to find on stream. I don't know how people watch it. Uh, I can watch it on streams here. I, I, I really enjoy it. Um, they've introduced a thing here in this country this year with a, a, um, a game pass, so you can spend ooh, about eighty pounds for the season to get a game Do you pass. Have a- Matches? Yeah, all the matches, all the highlights, and other such sort of TV here, programs. Matches. We'll all go man, man on the MLS matches. That'll yeah, be so fun. that'd be cool. Uh, elsewhere, what have we got in Croatia? It's the Eternal Derby as Dinamo play. Uh, Dinamo Zagreb play Hajduk Split. Uh, Andy Fixture Corner continues this week in Hong Kong. Resources Capital in seventh place play Rangers in sixth. Andy. <laughs> I, I, Rangers, obviously. Yeah. I, I'm just. I'm never. <laughs> going to pick against Rangers even uh, against my better judgement <laughs> uh, and speaking of Rangers it's the Scottish League Cup this weekend as you play Celtic uh, talk us through that one, how do you think that one's going to go? So I mean Celtic will I think rightfully start favourites because they're 9 points clear in the league, they're in very good form, have only lost once domestically this season um, however Michael Beale has done a, a very good job of turning Rangers around and the, 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 so he's unbeaten himself in his first 12 games I think it is now including an old firm derby where I think most people including neutrals were feel Rangers probably edged uh, that one should have won it uh, but for a late um, Furuhashi equaliser mm. um and it's a cup final and it's an old firm derby so you never quite know Celtic will do what they do every game which is fly out the traps and it's going to be a case of how Rangers deal with that defensively they've found a little bit of defensive stability recently um, Ben Davis has finally kind of got clear of the injury bug that kept him out for most of the, the first couple of months he was here he's forming a pretty decent partnership with Connor Goldson mm-hmm. um, and yeah it, the debate will be who should start in goals between McGregor and McLaughlin. I don't think either option is ideal at the moment. And then similarly, there'll be another selection dilemma up front about whether to go with Morelos or, or Cholak. So, um, yeah, it should be a good game. The last few old firm games have been good. Not necessarily huge on quality, but relatively end-to-end. Um, yeah, it should be a good game to watch for the neutral. And obviously, I'll pick Rangers because I don't pick against Rangers. No. <laughs> and um, Michael Beale's been um, having a little war of words with Chris Sutton, hasn't he? Oh, Chris Sutton's a dick. <laughs> oh, honestly, don't it? Chris Sutton is such an arsehole. Honestly, he is a professional arsehole. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, and I'm not just saying that as a Rangers fan about an ex Celtic player. I'm fairly certain most of the country feels that way about Chris Sutton including the clubs he used to play for. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, sometimes I, I mean, I've seen quite a few people say, "Oh, Michael Beale shouldn't get drawn into it," and so on. Sometimes I think these pundits need to be put in their place, especially him, who's got far more to say than his footballing talent uh, deserves. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, what else we got? Yeah, it's okay. So on to bits and bobs of news then. So uh, Andy Football Corner is over for this week. Uh, John Motson has died. Uh, age 77, he, he commentated on 10 World Cups, 10 Euros, 29 FA Cup Finals. Um, Andy, we're of a similar vintage and a similar age. Uh, so I reckon John Motson was as part of as much of a voice of my childhood as he as he was yours growing up, I imagine, unless you didn't yeah, get him north of the border. But I was absolutely. I was always more Barry Davis than John Watson, but it, it's I don't know about you, but as we're of the sort of similar age, you remember when people died when you were young and your parents went, Oh, that's sad and you never heard of any of them. Now I'm hearing of everyone I've heard of everyone that's died. We've reached that age and it's it's quite sad when these sort of people from your childhood start disappearing, isn't it? I mean, it is. I mean, you had you had kind of asked offline, mm. you know, for kind of favourite or most memorable John Motson moments, and I came back fairly quickly and said, "Yeah, it's the Ricky Villa goal." Um, but he, he soundtracked so many great moments mm. that I remember growing up. So I mean, in addition to that, there was the Liam Brady goal against Spurs. You know, the look at that, just look at that goal. Yes. The Ronnie Radford goal, which of course was actually happened before I was born, but it was such a famous goal that you know you've been hearing his commentary over that for for decades. Um, obviously, you think of John Watson, you think of the sheepskin coats mm. and the the old school microphones that he used to use and so on. So, yeah, that that, that one does. Uh, yeah, it stings a bit because, like you said, it, it's at the the kind of point now where all of those personalities that that were kind of the voice of football for us growing up are, are kind of all on the way out and it's yeah it's a sad one this one yeah nathan i think you said in the group chat you mentioned the um oh, i can't remember what you said what did you say oh the culture club had beaten his um quote from the 1988 cup final didn't you yeah so again this is this is one from before my time but oh stop it <laughs> I think I think the thing with, with Motson is that I, I, over here in, in, in the UK especially he, he is as big an icon as Messi and Ronaldo for me I, I honestly don't think I'm overstating that he's just so synonymous with football the, the, the voice of football the sound of football mm. um, I just think of the FA Cup every time like Andy was saying the, the Ronnie Radford goal you know, it was it was so long ago, but everyone knows that that quote. It's and, it, and it's part of what makes the FA Cup such a magical, a magical mythical trophy. You know, it, and it's it it's down to stuff that that Motson was doing long ago that that adds fuel to that to that sort of magic, if you will. Yeah. Um, Clive, I, I seen that. Um, I think it was. I'm sure it was a quote from Clive Tilsley who said that. Because there's so many games on TV now and so much access, you know, like we've been talking about watching games in Europe and in the MLS, and there's so many different commentary teams. You know, you can you can watch a game and have five or six different commentators all on the same game. And I think with Motson, because there was such less football and he was at the top of the game, that 
that's why he'll be remembered forever. He he was the one true voice in its purest format for me. I think that's why I would be such a big miss. Hmm. Uh, okay. It's the enthusiasm as well yeah. that Martin yeah. had. That's the kind of neutral enthusiasm because anybody who watches football and particularly in England will know that you know the likes of Martin Tyler get criticised for either not being involved enough or only seeming to get excited for Man United goals or things like that. Mm-hmm. And it was when great goals get scored like the Radford goal or the Villa goal or things like that it was just the fact that it almost felt like a fan who'd been given a microphone uh, just because you could be in a loving voice couldn't you yeah absolutely you you don't really get that nowadays I think you'd maybe point at like Peter Drury as maybe one of the, the, the kind of better modern day commentators in this country but yeah Motson was Motson was one of a kind yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Jesse, we have uh, a ladies' football corner. Uh, the Lionesses beat Belgium 6 1 to retain the Arnold Clark Cup. Uh, Chloe Kelly and Leo Williamson scored two goals each. Um, the United States beat Brazil 2 1 to win the She Believes Cup for the fourth consecutive uh, time. Um, Mallory Swanson and Alex Morgan scored. The Matildas beat Jamaica 3 0 to win the Cup of Nations. Um, they won seven consecutive games and scored 23 goals. Uh, fabulously, Haiti have qualified for the Women's World Cup for the first time. Um, Melchi uh, Demorne scored uh, as they beat Chile 2-1. The Chiefs scored the winning goal. Uh, and Portugal have qualified as well. They beat Cameroon 2-1, a 94th-minute Carol Costa goal. Um, Jesse, talk us through the uh, the results there. Well, first of all, are you all okay? Since we're talking about ladies' football, do you need it? Do you need to take a break? Do you need a breather? Are you going to? What's What's going to happen? I might start. I might start accidentally menstruating or something. Yeah. So just, you know, be careful with yourselves. Um. Um. What is? I think the sort of overshadowing theme of all of these matches has unfortunately been um, inequities. So Canada came into the She Believes Cup um, talking about how they were coerced into playing because they were striking for um, not only equal pay, but um, equal protections, which they still don't have. Um, Wendy Renard today, um, one of France's best players ever, I think anybody would agree, um, quit her or resigned from the national team. um, And the rest of the national team, it looks like, are following suit. Um, And the Jamaican women's national team have been, have had a history of um, being mistreated from being stranded in airports to a whole host of other things. Um, So unfortunately like we've seen some amazing plays crystal dunn moves at i don't know what the speed of light is but that's also the speed that crystal dunn moves at um dabinia continues to be ridiculous at like an age that i think most people would be probably being fitted for like orthotics um but that's the fact that these players are playing the way that they are while they're fighting for not not just better pay, but like equal pay and equal medical practices and 
like, you know, training facilities um, and for their coaches not to abuse them is is kind of um, depressing that this is happening in 2023 with the World Cup happening this summer and we don't really know what's going to happen with with some of these teams going into the World Cup. Yes. Um, I don't know what else to say to that because you put it so eloquently and wonderfully. Uh, it is it's a juxtaposition, isn't it, between a magnificent thing to see with someone like Haiti qualifying, but the sort of awfulness that sort of unfortunately comes part and parcel with the women's game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you look at Canada, who have consistently, you know, fielded players like Christine Sinclair and Janine Becky, who have been ranked at the top of the top 100 best players and are making significantly less than their male male um, national team counterparts and also having to travel commercial and much more and then this the optics of the Canadian men's national team who qualify I mean well done they qualified for their first men's world cup ever crashed out in the first round but they they're Association posted a picture of their team traveling in first class, and it's like, um, maybe let's not. Time, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the the toll on on these players' bodies um, is it's a lot. Mm. And, and Wendy Renard having to, you know, Ada Hegeborg, who I don't remember at this point when she resigned for you know, speaking out about the same thing, having Ada Hegeborg come out and say, I support Wendy Renard for this same thing that I did however many years ago, it's like, what has to happen for this to change? Not that she said that. I That was my interpretation of, obviously, French. Yeah. I, I, that in French. I think, for me, it, it, this isn't what it should be about, but it all comes back to money, doesn't it? It's mm-hmm. the fact that Unfortunately, no one's picked up the women's game and thrown weight and money behind it to a point where it becomes so big that other people start investing in better facilities, better pay, better travel. I mean, the fact that there's a difference between a man and a woman representing their country is just it's disgusting. Like, you know, these people have worked hard to get to the pinnacle of their game, of their profession, why should there be any difference when they're putting the same shirt on, representing the same country, the same the same people, the same following, do you know what I mean? And it's all well and good people getting behind the women's game saying like, oh, you know, isn't it great how far we've come? Yeah, it is, but it's not even close to where it needs to be. It's, it's you know, people seem to think that the job's almost done and it's really not it's not even close you know I remember watching Deadline Day and uh, some of the women's transfer news was coming through and I think Arsenal put a world record bid in for uh, Russo of 400 grand and you're thinking that's you know it's not even a it's probably not even a a conference record transfer fee Mm. these days to be honest and 
that's that's when you look at it like that, that's the levels where we're at. And I just I, I just think it's wrong. I think you you know it's there's always going to be that argument between you know the the quality of the men's game and the quality of the women's game, but it, it, it shouldn't matter, especially in terms of player safety um, from from individuals and from injuries on the pitch. You know, when it comes to a person's safety, it's it's everyone should be treated the same, no matter no matter what the game is, no matter what the cost is. Yeah. I think also, you know, there have been like stats now that show that the women's teams, either national or, you know, Olympique Marseille or whatever it is, like consistently sell out, they make this much money, they blah, blah, blah. So if that's not the thing, then what is the thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you just need to look at England in, in 2022. Lioness has won the Euros brilliantly, fantastic. Felt like a real, I felt like it had the potential to be a real turning point for the women's game. Not necessarily just in England, but in Europe as well. Given how many of Europe's top players now play in the the women's Premier League over here, and it's just within it felt. Like I said it felt like it should have been a turning point, and instead, within a month of them winning that, the focus had entirely switched in this country again to, right, how are Southgate and the lads going to get on in Qatar? Mm. And it's just... The the Lionesses are the ones actually winning trophies. They're the ones kind of ruling the roost. Um, so how about a wee bit, put a wee bit more respect on their name? Uh, again, that was a chance for Sky to maybe throw some real money at the women's game in this country and maybe transform it the way they have the Premier League for, for men and so on and it's just it's still treated too much as an afterthought um, and like Jesse said I mean if some of these things aren't going to change it you wonder what will eventually be the catalyst for change um, people much more qualified than me will hopefully start to make some of those decisions and, and and come up with those ideas, but it's just that it continues to be hugely disappointing to see it treated as an afterthought as soon as the guys come back to the stadiums in July and August. Yeah. Um, okay, so unfortunately we have to move on. Um, so next is Boston referees. Um, 18 out of 20 La Liga clubs have issued a statement uh, expressing quote-unquote deep concern over payments of 7 million euros between 2001 to 2018 to a company owned by uh, the former vice president of the referees committee um, who is uh, Jose Maria Enrique Negriera. Did I say that right, Jesse? Yes, but look, here's the thing. If there's not like a little bit of, you know corruption in La Liga then is it even La Liga anymore well no the payment stopped after he um, retired from his position as vice president that's a coincidence it's, isn't it but yeah it's just it's coincidental why like uh, it's all coincidental some players don't play, pay their taxes and some referees just you know get presents oh that's nice um, the way it is <laughs> 
in the Asian Champions League semi-finals for the West Division, Al Duhail, uh, oh, excuse me, Al Duhail of Qatar will play Al Hilal of Saudi Arabia um, on Sunday. Uh, the winners of that will play the uh, Urara Red Diamonds of Japan in the final in April, I think. Um, the Oceania Champions League is starting again. So these are the qualifiers uh, before the main group stage. So um, these are both, these are split so you play your, your fellow country uh, in the uh, qualifiers before we get to the group stages. So uh, Hangini Sport 1, um, Tiga Sport 5 on aggregate. They're from New Caledonia and uh, Hikari United 4. Uh, Lay City won on aggregate and they're from Papua New Guinea. So uh, into El Premier Ligo, Jesse, we go to three o'clock Saturday is Everton versus Aston Villa uh, in the Gareth Barry Derby. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is out with a hamstring injury. Uh, this is the most played fixture in English football history. It will be the 210th occasion. Um, Everton looking for three out of four wins under Sean Dyche. It took Frank Lampard 20 games to get three wins. Um, Aston Villa have lost their last three. Jesse, how do you see this one go? Can I say something really upsetting about Sean Dyche? You can. What? Who's, who's it upsetting for? Him or anybody else? No, everybody else. Mm. I saw two people on the Twitter agree that they both... The, the person in all of football, all of it... That they find most sexy, Sean Dyche. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm still upset about it. Right. So, yeah, I just need. To, I I've been thinking about that for a full handful of days since I read it, and I I just needed to put that out there that you know I think we should not shame anybody except for probably those two people. Well, there's hope for you yet, then, Follicle Andy. I've been married for 20 years at this point, uh, Chris. I'll know. I'll not have any slander about my ability to attract. <laughs> That's why I call you housewife's favourite because you're like the Sean Dyche of this podcast. Oh God, no! I'm not saying about his ball. I'm just in all of football, all every part of it, and that's who two whole people come up with. I mean, what can I say? There must be some people out there who like the idea of a shaved honey monster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nathan and Andy, how do you think this one's going to go? Uh, draw. Yeah, Andy? Uh, I, I think Everton might just sneak this one. Dice is... Everton's... Everton, Goodison's got a really good atmosphere mm. when their team's performing even reasonably okay, which they are at the moment. Villa are perfectly safe, I think, but... Um, yeah, so I'll go. I'll go with Everton. Right. No worries. Uh, Leeds versus Southampton, three o'clock. The Ian Baird derby. Um, Ruben Stellers has got the job to the end of the season at Southampton. Um, I think that win against Chelsea helped him last week. Javi Gracia is now the permanent manager of Leeds. Uh, Leeds' last ten games, they have drawn four, lost six, won zero. They have dropped fifteen points from winning positions this season as well. So he's got his work cut out, Andy, hasn't he? Yeah, that. Um... That almost feels like a signing for next season in the championship. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, that doesn't. I, I don't necessarily see him moving the needle in terms of keeping them in the division. Uh, so that feels like a wee bit of a, a safety net uh, signing for Leeds. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll we'll see how that plays out for them. All right, uh, Nathan and Jesse, what do you reckon? Uh, I agree with that in terms of the appointment. I think that's a very, very good comment. Mm. Uh, in terms of the game, 
uh, new manager bounce seems to be that the seems to be working well this this season. Anyone who's got a new manager seems to be uh, winning at least the first game. So I'm going to say a cheeky Leeds win. A cheeky Leeds win. Okay, um, Jesse, cheeky Leeds win for you. I'll go for a cheeky Leeds win. I mean, they need to win. Let's give it to them. Let's make Ross happy. Go on, then. Let's do that, then, shall we? Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't think Arsenal were playing this weekend. They are. They're playing Leicester City in the Martin Keown derby at 3 o'clock. James Madison's a doubt. Uh, Thomas Party is possibly available. Um, Leicester got 12 points out of uh, 33 at home. That's the second worst in the division. And they've got zero clean sheets since the World Cup. Um, Arsenal got 28 away points, seven more than the next best team. So Nathan, come on, chest out, shoulders back, deep breath. Nothing can go wrong now. Uh, yeah, probably not going to say that. But, <laughs> um, the not not just the win, but the way we won felt like a very big momentum shift, which was very much needed. Um, so I'm hoping that we keep on rolling this weekend, mm-hmm. and I think we will. Andy? Yeah, the, to me, I, I kind of feel like Arsenal escaping that Man City game and within a week being two points further up again feels like a momentum shift for me. Mm. Um, especially considering City continue to battle, well, Pep in particular continues to baffle with some of his choices. So Arsenal, mm. I think, will feel like they've, they've probably had a lucky turn and I think they'll ride that momentum Leicester are Leicester are in terrible form uh, they just feel like they're treading water constantly they're another one of those clubs who if they stay up this season it'll be off the back of the poor form of other teams rather than them necessarily being in great form and if James Madison misses that game then I, I think they've got no chance so yeah comfortable Arsenal win I think Alright Jesse Yeah this is nothing to add here this is a combination of Arsenal should win this with no problem and one rapist and there's no way that that Leicester have a shot here. Okay, uh, three o'clock is the uh, is West Ham versus Nottingham Forest in the Stuart Pearce derby. Um, West Ham's last eleven in the Premier League, they've won one, drawn three, lost seven, uh, and they got thirteen league defeats this season, which is the second most behind Southampton. Uh, Forest have got just six away points and just three goals. Jesse, that's not very good, is it? No. What did I read about Forest's new sponsor? Did I read anything interesting or exciting? I don't know. Don't, I don't know who it is. I did read something. Clearly, it was nothing important since I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) What about this game, then? Um, Maybe this is going to be my dog walk match, but I'm going to give this one to Forrest. Yeah, okay, boys. Yeah, um, I'm going to give it to Forrest based on they seem to be doing enough to to stay up this year and West Ham just seems to be in a real real bad place at the moment alright Andy it's surprising yeah yeah very pretty very, absent yeah. I gave up my turn but like I'm, I don't know if I'm like keep being surprised that West Ham is not they they're so good at doing just enough and how, I'm surprised every time that they're not how long will it take for you not to be surprised I don't know Chris I don't know Four um, uh, yards. So if you know you're going to be surprised in four yards' time, does that make the previous three still a surprise? Yes. Yes, it does. 
Okay. Andy, what about this one? Uh, yeah, West Ham are genuinely surprising as to how poor they've been this season. It, it kind of feels like almost like end of an era for them in some ways. Declan Rice is almost certainly going to leave at the end of the season. Uh, Mikel Antonio hasn't been able to rediscover the form he had last season. Similar for Thomas Suchek as well. Just, it's a real struggle for them at the moment. Forrest, while obviously the stats you read out don't make for a pretty picture, I think underneath those stats actually lies some fairly decent performances. Mm. They've maybe, there's maybe been a bit of bad luck in there for them so yeah I think Forrest I'll, I'll agree with, with Nathan and Jesse I think Forrest might not just one alright uh, half past five is Bournemouth versus Manchester City in the Silver and Distan derby uh, no Marcus Tavernier for uh, Bournemouth Kevin De Bruyne is probably back after missing the Leipzig game with illness um, Manchester City versus Bournemouth in the Premier League uh, City have won all 11 games with an aggregate of 34 to 5 um Bournemouth's first win since November last weekend was against Wolves. Uh, City have won just one out of six away in all competitions. They dropped 20 points uh, in their games this season. They only dropped 21 in the whole of last season. Um, some hope for them. There was Erling Haaland has got 26 Premier League goals. Bournemouth have got 21. Um, Nathan, how do you think this one's going to go? I mean, I know that they've, they've had a bit of a, a rocky patch where you know, everyone seems to not. Just going back to what um, Andy said about Haaland and people not passing to him, it just it looks enormously like when Adam Banks first arrives to play for the Mighty Ducks and they don't really like him, they don't really trust him, even though he is like head and shoulders above the rest of the, the entire team. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if Man City somehow managed to not get a win here. Then surely the gods are trying to scream at us that Arsenal are going to win the league. Surely, <laughs> Andy, he's pretty much set it up for you there to say Arsenal are going to win the league. Uh, Arsenal are going to win the league. Why would why would I say otherwise? I, I know I, I know that a few weeks ago I was saying that City were going to win the league, but I've changed my mind. The crushing um, realism of life and experience. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that City are. City are winning this one the, the thing if you look over the last like four or five years is that the game that gets City out of a bad patch or not necessarily a bad patch because obviously they get the win against Arsenal but a slightly rockier patch is that they always smash some kind of bottom five bottom six team Yeah, uh, I think this might be it I could see City winning this game before a five so yeah, I'm I'm going comfortably set in this one. All right, Jesse. Yeah, I don't see Bournemouth being able to do anything with this one. I'd yeah. be happy surprised. It would be interesting and fun, but I don't see it. Certainly would be. Uh, quarter to wait on Saturday night is Crystal Palace versus Liverpool in the Ray Houghton derby. Uh, Liverpool got no Joe Gomez or possibly no Ibrahim Kanate, so Jean Matip be back. Uh, Wilfred Zaha could be back. Uh, Liverpool won seven successive away fixtures against Crystal Palace of an aggregate 22-6. Palace are winless since New Year's Eve, uh, and that is eight games. Um, okay, wait, I got, one. I got this one, guys. Chris. Yes. Here's what you're going to do. Yeah. Shoulders back. Yeah. Chest out. <gasps> yeah. And say, if I don't say it, it means I have no faith in Jurgen Klopp. Do I have to take a deep breath first? Um, you could take a medium-sized breath. 
Nothing can go wrong now. Yay! <laughs> well, that would work. well, the last time I said it, um, we won. Okay. So that's my that's my preview. Nothing can go wrong. <laughs> what do you reckon is going to happen? Um, I think you're going to have fear and anger uh, <laughs> on your side, and I don't actually know what that's going to do. <laughs> so something is going to happen. This is not going to end in a draw. All right. I think it's going to be high scoring, but I, I everybody's been so mean to poor Joe Gomez. You're coming out of that, you know, wonky match, and I know it's not this, it's, you know, not a not a league game but that's the emotion that, that you're coming at this one from yeah what about this one then boys I yeah I mean if ever there's a time to catch whoever pool you would expect it to be now mm. however Palace are in wretched form mm. uh, at the moment um so if there's a game for Liverpool get back in track you would imagine this might be the one so yeah I'm, I'm going to pick Liverpool alright Nathan um, I don't know why but I've got it in my head that this fixture is always always comes at a crucial time for both teams and ends up being like a proper bad weird game that no one can call um, so I don't know both teams are, are not playing very well are they um if Zaha is fit, I will tentatively say advantage Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. If he's not fit, then we know that Crystal Palace can't play football for whatever reason, so Liverpool should win. Alright, uh, Sunday, just the one game on Sunday, Jesse. It's Spurs versus Chelsea, half past one of the Jason Cundy derby. Spurs games have provided 79 goals. Only Manchester City have got scored uh, games have involved more. What direction? Well, either direction, both directions. Uh, and Chelsea won 14 in all competitions, winless in five. Jesse, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it. What? Still, listen, we're still crap, and everybody is still broken. But we're playing against Chelsea, who's also crap. Oh. Boy, you say it for. No, we have no players who are both fit and good. Mm-hmm. That's not a good system. Uh, Andy, what do you reckon to this? I have a little uh, bit more hope for this one than I do the other. I can't, no. Nothing's good. I, <laughs> I don't necessarily know that you need a good system to beat Chelsea at the moment. <laughs> um, I, from a neutral standpoint, I want Chelsea to stick with Potter because I think he is the kind of manager where he will need I, I think the expectation that he was going to come in and fix Chelsea immediately was ridiculous mm. uh, I think he is a systems manager and therefore you need to give him time to get those systems in place um, having said that I don't think they will uh, I think Spurs might nick this one and I would expect Graham Potter to be unemployed by the end of the week oh really? yeah oh. are they going to get Thomas Tuchel back? Uh, they might have to fight PSG for him. <laughs> oh, yeah, sudden Thomas Tuchel is the most in-demand manager in the world again. Ah, Chelsea, <laughs> should just bring, Chelsea should just bring in Bielsa for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then finally, it is the Carling Cup at half past five on uh, half past four. Sorry, on Sunday afternoon, uh, we tune for Saudi Arabia or Manchester United. Ugh, what a what a position the world has put us in here. Is this alien versus predator? The football oh, game. This, this is going to be the dog walk one. This is the dog walk walking game. Yeah. Honestly, go foster a dog just so you can. <laughs> I've got to be honest, since seeing some Newcastle uh, fan banter accounts this week doing some videos, I am actually quite rooting for Manchester United. A month ago, I would have picked Newcastle for this, mm. um, but they have dropped off a bit. Um, they're not in necessarily in the greatest of forms themselves. Yeah, one win in 2023 in the league. Yeah, United have been a bit up and down, but I mean, if you're not going to be motivated after putting Barcelona out a European competition when are you going to be Marcus Rashford's probably the best or certainly the most informed striker in Europe at mm. the moment maybe alongside Ossiman at Napoli um, yeah I think United will win this alright Nathan um, I couldn't care less <laughs> that's probably the right answer actually to be fair <laughs> I want, I want you to be right, Nathan. Uh, but, but I've just got a real fear that it could be the catalyst for for a a, a, a real Manchester United rebirth. Mm. I really do. I hope that bit of you is wrong. Me too. <laughs> Jesse, have you said who you want, want to win? I can't remember. I want Newcastle to lose. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yes. And that's... I always want good things for Marcus Rashford. Well, that's, I guess that's always true as well. Uh, right, okay. Uh, that brings us to the end of our roundup. Uh, any other business from anybody? Just a quick shout-out to the MLS for the amazing football shirts that they produce for the coming season. They're always really nice, aren't they? Yeah, they, they, yeah there's some stunners this, this, this time. What's the Red Bulls one like, Jesse? It's fucking boring. They always have to stick with, with Red Bull of everywhere logo. Yeah. I also imagine that American soccer pundits and writers are probably quite glad to be able to talk about something that isn't uh, Giuseppe Reina related. <laughs> um, so yeah, I imagine they're probably quite well talking about Giuseppe's Giovanni, isn't it? Absolutely going to call him Giuseppe. Is it? I thought it was Giovanni. Giovanni. Oh! Did we see who started on the bench yesterday for Lazio? Oh, uh, first of all, how have I never realized that Lazio is SS Lazio, which I know that it's not what it really stands for, but like it absolutely looks like a Nazi symbol. It's um, Starship, isn't it? As in the Enterprise. Yeah, but it 
Oh, I don't know. quite don't... ironic considering <laughs> how old the Canio when he was at Lazio was given it the well the Nazi signs was it? Andy, was Andy, hold that thought, Andy, because yeah, <laughs> uh, Lazio played this week in Europe. Their substitute number forty-four, uh, Romano Mussolini. No. And you guess what? Uh, guess what position he plays? Right one. He does. <laughs> Go look him up on Wikipedia. He is the daughter of um, he's the daughter of the fascist politician Ah oh, Alessandra, I think her name is, and then he's the great grandson of Benito. Like you would think that you would want to change your name, but the reason you don't is because your mom is actually very proud of who her dad is. Yeah. Oh dear, I'm looking forward to Chile. You know, at some point putting out like Thomas Pinochet. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure these somewhere down the line these names are going to start coming out again. Well, um, Ken Gaddafi, his son played for Perugia and Juventus, didn't he? Yes. yes he did. So. Like, I was a you know weirdo who watched a whole documentary about people whose last name was Hitler, and many of them changed it. So, like, look, you can't, you you can't choose who you're born into but you can choose what you do with that shit and you fucking change it and your politics my university lecturer uh, I went to university in Liverpool my university lecturer told us a story in class once which I think is probably made up but I hope it's not Hitler when he was kicked out of his art school um, went and stayed with his sister who did actually live in Liverpool um, for a time as he considered what next to do with his life uh, while there to pay his way he got himself a job at the Adelphi Hotel um, washing pots in the kitchen um, at the same time a young Vietnamese student going on his European travels by the name of Ho Chi Minh was also there pot washing as well oh I hope that's true uh, I don't think it is I'm not sure if it is or not but it would be brilliant that would be astonishing wouldn't it imagine the conversations they'd have had sort of wiping the dishes <laughs> Right, okay, that brings us to the end of our podcast. So we're Man of the Post, part of the Man of the Post network. Um Dave if Newcastle win, I imagined. Uh Simon, Ali and Carl will be back on Monday to review the games that we've been previewing here. Um, if you like what you hear, you can rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. So you can follow us and download us on uh ACAS, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. Um, Apple Podcasts and if you spot, uh, if you follow all your future episodes will fall automatically into your inbox uh, if you like what you hear you can rate reviews all reviews are gratefully received Nathan if they want to follow you on Twitter how do they do that? I am at fmcm underscore fc okay uh, Andy how do they do that? they can find me at Sake Tyson that's brilliant where uh, people can tweet you and you'll ignore them just give them a, a like instead you have not tweeted me in ages Chris but come on now yeah, no, you're just at it. People, people don't believe this man. I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, Jesse, how do they tweet you? Um, they go to at the Etchingham seventy seven. But hold on, while I go to see if I at the Etchingham seventy seven has tweeted Andy lately. And you can follow me at Jesse Loach, guys. Thank you ever so much for uh, joining us, and always remember to keep your man on the post. Mm-hmm.